Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good to have you with us today. Welcome. I am Pastor Chris. Um, Wow, what a great weekend, as Pastor Scott said. We had a phenomenal Saturday serve yesterday, and uh, we have so many more exciting things ahead. Um, But there is one other thing that I actually want to highlight about next Sunday. Uh, Not only have we, um, you know, kicked off uh, Summer of Impact, um, but every June uh, we kick off kind of a sermon series tradition uh, around here at Coastal. Anybody know what it's called? At the movies, yeah. So today, so next Sunday, June the 11th, we kick off this series. So it's called At the Movies. We're not preaching, of course, from the movies themselves. We just use the movies uh, as a hook. And of course, we have a lot of, you know, fun coastal style with it. Um, We give away uh, popcorn. We pop popcorn. Uh, We have some fun giveaways. We'll have a photo booth. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. And one of the invite tools that we use uh, are these little micro wave popcorn bags. Uh, It's got a ticket on the front. You're invited. Has all the service times, all the information. And so these are for you to pick up on your way out of church today and uh, take them home and uh, invite people. Give them away. And so what we tell people is that if you're from Coastal and you pick up one of these and you take it home and you pop the popcorn yourself, you're going to get violently ill. Okay? That's what's going to happen. But if you give this to a friend and invite them to church, it'll be the best popcorn they've ever put in their mouth, okay? So take as many of these as you want and uh, just give them out to friends, neighbors, family members, and uh, I promise you, uh, the month of June, um, at the movies, Father's Day, uh, we're just going to have an an amazing time together. You're not going to want to miss it. And I also hope that you've enjoyed this short series uh, that we've been in, and today I'm going to close it out um, on the Trinity, And uh, I pray, as always, that you are challenged, encouraged, strengthened, informed, and most importantly, probably, uh, moved into action. Moved into action. Now, I also hope that you realize that we really could spend, like, the next six months discussing the Trinity and still not completely cover or understand everything, right? Now, and that is... Definitely the case today as we wrap this up talking about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, of course, is all over the Bible, mentioned over 800 times. In fact, right off the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Circle that phrase there, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. The word translated spirit in the Bible typically means uh, wind or breath. You know, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come and and, uh, descend on people, and then he would often depart. Uh, When David sinned against God with Bathsheba, he cried out to God, please don't remove your spirit from me. Uh, In the New Testament, 
We see the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus in the form of a dove, uh, in Acts falling on the believers uh, at Pentecost with the sound of, of wind and fire, and then empowering them uh, to speak in tongues and do all kinds of miraculous things. We see the Holy Spirit equipping people with spiritual gifts to serve and reach out to their community. We see the Holy Spirit producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So obviously, the Holy Spirit's a pretty big deal, right? The truth is, and I want you to write this down as we begin, God wants you to live a Spirit-filled and Spirit-empowered life. A Spirit-filled and Spirit-empowered life. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but when I was young, growing up, the Holy Spirit kind of weirded me out a little bit, okay? I mean, I, you know, I understood God the Father, right? That's, that's easy, makes sense, you know? I have a Father, I understand that. Uh, God the Son, Jesus, I'm a Son, that makes sense as well, I can get that. But honestly, when I was a young kid, I couldn't really wrap my mind around the concept of the Holy Spirit. Now, further complicating things for me was the fact that any church that I knew about that was like way into the Holy Spirit was a little weird, right? I mean, at least that's the way I felt as a kid. You know, their services, I, mean, I had friends who went to, you know, those types of churches, and man, their services would last for hours, and uh, they tell me stories, and then I'd see, you know, see it on TV sometimes where, you know, people were dancing or, you know, passing out or speaking in some kind of strange language. And I'd actually periodically go with a friend to one of those churches just so I could check out the show. I mean, like, but it just kind of weirded me out for a little bit. And the result for me was for many years that I kind of went in the complete opposite direction. You know, I just, I really didn't want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit, at least not what I had seen, right? What I had experienced. And I think that's one of the big problems for a lot of Christians today uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit. You know, we do this all the time in a lot of different areas of life. We tend to camp out at like one extreme or the other extreme. And you know, in some churches, there is what you might call kind of a, an overemphasis on like these supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit gets, you know, blamed and, and manipulated for anything and everything. Um, years ago, when I was a, a young pastor, um, another pastor friend of mine uh, invited me to go to a crusade in Charlotte. And um, kind of, a, you know, a big crusade event. And it was hosted by a very well-known televangelist. Now, I'm not going to tell you his name, but anyway... He, so this is what this guy would do. This was his, his shtick. This is what he would do. He would wave his hand over like a section of the church or the auditorium or the venue. He'd like wave his hand and then he would blow into the microphone, okay? And what he, was, what he said he was doing was he was blowing the Holy Spirit on that section of people. And so, you know, you know, he'd blow on you, and then you guys would all fall over, okay? And then he would blow on the next group, and you would all fall over. And uh, so, you know, that is one extreme, okay? But a far more common extreme, I would say today is maybe an underemphasis of the Holy Spirit. 
You know, in, in the church that I grew up in as a kid, honestly, the Holy Spirit was more like a retired author or something, you know? You know, he, he'd written the Bible, and uh, since he was done with that, he really had nothing more to do, right? And, uh, you know, again, we, we talked about and understood God the Father, God the Son, but truthfully, the Holy Spirit, we didn't talk an awful lot about. You know, he was for those, those weird people, right, over there, but not for us. Again, extremes, and we do that a lot. So what I want to do today, and again, this is just one you know, short message, so we, there's no way we're going to cover everything, but I do kind of want to give you just an introduction, like a, a biblical overview of who the Holy Spirit is, and at least an introduction into what he does. And so my prayer is that we would all grow to, to know and experience God and his power and his presence more intimately in our lives through his Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for today. So in John chapter 14, Jesus is comforting the disciples and he's explaining that he is going to go away. He's going to return to the Father and he's gonna be preparing a place for us, for them, you know, in heaven. And then he says something very interesting, that he's going to send someone who's going to be even better than him. Verses 16 and 17, look at this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So again, Jesus is saying, hey, God's going to send someone, someone else, who's going to be your advocate. Now some of the translations use the phrase uh, helper or counselor. And he's not going to come and go like you might have known him in the past and in the Old Testament. He's going to be with you, he says, forever. Verse 17. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. And, you know, in many ways that's kind of where I was, right? You know, kind of skeptical. You know, I didn't know him, couldn't see him, and so... For most of my life, really, I didn't really embrace him into my life. And then Jesus goes on to say, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So Jesus is saying, hey, he's here with you now and he's living in and through, through Christ, through me, and a time is coming when he will live in you. So, who is the Holy Spirit? Simple definition of the Holy Spirit is he is God in spirit form. If you're taking notes, write that down. He's God in spirit form. Now, did you catch that the Holy Spirit is not an it? Okay, not an it. Jesus refers to him as, as him. He refers to the Holy Spirit as, as him. You know, because he is the third person of God in the Trinity. The Bible tells us that it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, God in spirit form has emotions. The Bible says the Holy Spirit loves us. He's the one who advocates for, it, advocates for us, who intercedes for us, who prays for us. He's our, our counselor, our comforter, our helper. God in spirit form is called to be with us, inside of us, to very literally be your friend. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're watching online, you can answer this in the comments section. Would you rather have 
the Holy Spirit or Jesus in the flesh with you right here and now? The Holy Spirit or Jesus in the flesh? Now, I don't want, you guys don't have to answer out loud, but if you're watching online, maybe leave a little comment. I think most of us would, you know, especially the, the initial knee-jerk reaction is say, well, of course, Jesus in the flesh. I mean, think about how cool that would be, right? That Jesus, like, physically present with you. I mean, you got like a migraine, a serious headache, and you're like, ah, oh, Jesus, my head hurts. Poof. You know, like, and it just goes away, right? You know, your husband or wife is bothering you. Jesus, can you take care of that? You know, poof. You know, nothing go away, but like, you know, you, you get what I'm talking about. Um, you know, your dog gets run over by a car, and you're crying, you're upset. Jesus, Rover is dead. And, and Jesus, rise, Rover. And, you know, Rover comes back to life and, and jumps and barks and wants to play. Or maybe your cat gets run over by a car. Jesus could perform the funeral. And um, so... Anyway, you get the idea. Um, but it just seems like, you know, that'd be the best thing ever. However, Jesus says that there's actually something better for us than him in the flesh. John 16, 7. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus says, hey, the absolute best thing for you is for me to leave. Because the Holy Spirit won't come unless I do. So I'm leaving, but in my place, the advocate, the helper, the comforter, God, the, God in spirit form is coming. Isn't that amazing? So, what exactly does the Holy Spirit do? And again, seriously, we could spend weeks talking about this. And in fact, as we were making our way through, uh, through Romans, you remember in Romans chapter eight, we talked a good bit about the role of the Holy Spirit. But the simple answer is this. The Holy Spirit changes everything. He changes everything. I mean, you think about the church today. You know, we see so many people today who, you know, who are believers in Jesus and yet, they're just not even acting or behaving, you know, any different from the rest of the world. And they're, you know, it's as if their prayer lives are kind of flat or non-existent. You know, they're afraid or struggling or gripped by fear or worry. You know, we, we say we believe in Jesus, but, you know, many Christians' lives have no real power. Why is that? Well, I think it's because so many people today are living spiritless lives. You know, when God wants you and I, he wants his children to live a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, and spirit-led life. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that, why I think that's not happening, and I want to just address two this morning. Number one, some people aren't aware of the Holy Spirit. They're not aware. Now, maybe you'd say, again, you know, maybe like I did early on in my life, well, I've heard of the Holy Spirit, but you know, I really don't know what he does. In fact, there's an interesting story found in Acts 19, verses one and two. Listen to this. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Now again, he says, these are believers. These, these, but they were people who, you know, they weren't there on the day of Pentecost and they had heard of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the next verse goes on to say that they were baptized by John the Baptist. So they knew about John, they knew about Jesus, but they didn't know much about the Holy Spirit. And again, maybe some people today are in kind of in a similar place. You know, you have the Holy Spirit because you're a believer and you've heard about him, but not much else. And, the, and the, the reality is there is this whole other world that's available, a world of, of power and encouragement and comfort and gifts that are available to believers through God, the Holy Spirit. And a lot of us, a lot of people, just don't know much about it. You know, too many Christians there going through life without victory, without strength, when all along, There is a spiritual resource, this spiritual power from God that is greater than anything we could imagine. In fact, you know what's really interesting is that the Bible teaches that the very same spiritual power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to every believer. He will fill you, direct you, teach you, comfort you, empower you, and he is available to all believers. And so many people today are missing out on that because they're unaware. The reality is, here's the truth. The moment you became a believer, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And again, but just maybe, you've not been made aware of his work in your life. I think another reason so many times people are living a spiritless life, number two, is that a lot of people resist the Holy Spirit. They resist him. And uh, this catches a lot of people. It really does. You know, think about it. Maybe you felt like God was, you know, prompting you to do something. And yet you responded with, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't want to serve. I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk to that person. No, I'm not going to do that. Or maybe you were about to do something that's not right, that goes against Scripture, and the Spirit nudged you there and said, don't do that. You know that's wrong. You know God wouldn't be pleased. And yet you responded with, I'm going to do it anyway. You see, again, what we've done in both cases is push him away. You know, push the Holy Spirit away. Maybe the Holy Spirit prompts you to to give something, uh, to bless somebody. The Holy Spirit might be prompting you, has been prompting you to serve, you know, with summer of impact to serve in, in uh, coastal kids, to speak to someone, to take a, you know, a, a silly little microwave popcorn bag and to, to give it away, to give to somebody, and yet you responded by pushing him away. Now, I'm not gonna do that. You know, this is mine. I'm not gonna give this. I don't wanna serve. Coastal, listen. You know, just listen, listen to my heart here. You had better be careful with that. Because you can resist the Spirit 
You can resist him in your life so often and for so long that you will become numb to him. You'll become, your heart will become hard to the promptings of the Spirit of God. You know, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was uh, chewing out the Sanhedrin right before they stoned him and uh, for preaching about Jesus. Listen to what he said. You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever, and then underline this phrase, resist the Holy Spirit. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and, and so do you. You know, somebody might ask, well, Pastor Chris, you know, how do I know if it's the Spirit, if it's the Holy Spirit, if he's prompting me and not just me, you know, my own thoughts? That's a great question. First of all, and, and this is where it begins, does it in any way contradict Scripture, the Bible? If it does, it is not from God. It's not. It must align with Scripture. You know, if, if I feel led to or prompted to do something that's going to be a blessing to others and, and to glorify God, then that's probably a pretty good sign that it's from the Holy Spirit. If I'm being nudged away from doing something that I know is wrong, that goes against Scripture, I can probably know that that's coming from the Holy Spirit. And again, somebody might say, well, you know, I'm not sure the Holy Spirit does that. I'm not sure if, he, if he's really prompting me or moves me or speaks to me. And again, it could be. It's possible. That's because you have resisted the Holy Spirit for so long and so often that your heart has become hard. You can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. Our hearts can become hardened to his, his voice. Let me see if I can explain it this way. It's a little bit like my wife, Janet. Now, I don't know if you know this about her, but this is the truth. My wife, Janet, wants to make out with me all the time. <laughs> all the time. You might not know this about her, but it's true. She is all, she's just like attacking me, pawing at me, can't keep her hands off me. She's always wanting to make out with me. I mean like in the grocery store, Walmart, you know, uh, here at the church, you guys aren't around. And I'm like, Janet, there's cameras, you know, leave me alone, you know. So I resist her for as long as I can. But eventually, I'm weak, I wear down, I give in to her because I'm such a good husband. Okay, now, imagine if you would, though, that she's always doing that, and I always resist her. After a period of time, she's not going to push herself on me anymore. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit's not going to push himself on you either. If you resist him long enough and often enough, your heart can, be, can grow so hard that you no longer recognize his voice, the leading, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. People are living spiritless lives because they're not aware of him or they've been resisting him. And so if you can get past that and you can get to know him, stop rejecting him, there are many, many different ways that he wants to minister to you. Today, I'm just going to quickly mention three. Number one, the Holy Spirit will comfort you. He will comfort you. 
Sometimes, in fact, in Scripture, he is called the Comforter. In fact, in John 14, 16, that we looked at earlier, the King James Version says it like this, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So this is the comforting presence of God. The Holy Spirit coming to us when we're, when we're hurting, when we're struggling, when we're going through just the, the stuff of life. And listen, maybe you've been there. Maybe you know this. You know, you, uh, maybe you picked up the Bible and you started to read or, or a worship song came on or you know, maybe you were in the car and you were trying to pray and you were just like weeping before God when suddenly, and it's hard to explain it, but you know that you know that just this sense of Peace came over you. Now think about that for a second. Like, your circumstances didn't change. Many times the problem wasn't solved. But you just had this sense of being loved and being cared for by God himself. That is the presence of the Holy Spirit comforting you with a peace that goes way beyond our human understanding. It's the comforting presence of God uh, the, the God of, of the Holy Spirit. And, and otherworldly peace in the, in the middle of a trial that, that God gives us through his spirit. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know how people make it today in this world without the comforter. Without the comforter. Number two, the Holy Spirit will counsel you. He will counsel you. Um, he's our counselor, our guide. Uh, Jesus said it this way in John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Listen, have you ever noticed on news programs the, uh, the earpieces that the uh, anchors are wearing? You know, they're constantly being fed information. You know, which camera to look at. You know, if their clothes need to be adjusting, their zipper is down, you know, or something. Uh, Late-breaking stories or, or questions the producers want them to ask. In fact, you might have noticed that our worship team basically has the same thing in their ears. They're called in-ear monitors, and uh, the music director and our, our tech booth, they're, they're giving them cues, giving them information. It, you know, again, the little voice in their head is leading them through a process. Well, in a very similar way, God can work in our lives through his constant presence of his spirit. And when we're aware of the spirit's presence in his voice, we can go through the day knowing that his spirit is with us, you know, and it'll be things like, you know, reach out to that person, invite that person, pray for them. In fact, don't just say it, do it right now. You know, that would please God. Say this. It's this constant awareness of of God's spirit guiding you. That is a spirit-filled life. You know, it's walking not alone, not by what you see, but by faith that his spirit is with you, guiding you. And and many times he will bring scripture to mind that you've read in the past or studied in the past. He'll bring that to mind at just the right time, at just the right moment. Number three, the Holy Spirit will also convict you. 
he will convict you. John 16, 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, what is conviction? So don't, don't think about it in terms of being convicted or being found guilty of a crime. It's more like conviction in the sense of a strong belief, of a certainty about something. It's the work of the Spirit to convince you that something that you've said or something that you've done or something you're about to say or do is wrong, to turn from it. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us into repentance. You know, sometimes we confuse conviction and condemnation. Condemnation comes from Satan. It's meant to tear us down. Condemnation says, you're a failure. Look at what you did. There's no hope for you. The conviction of the Holy Spirit tells us, turn from that. It's wrong. It's not going to lead to life. Come home. Come to Christ. Find forgiveness. Find strength. Find freedom and power. And the Bible, in fact, says that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Remember in Romans 8, 1, it tells us that there is now no what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's not wanting to beat you up. He's longing for us to turn to him. Romans 2.4 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Condemnation only shows us the problem. The conviction of the Holy Spirit points us to the answer. Condemnation shouts your past, your sins, you're a failure, you're a loser. But conviction shouts the blood of Jesus has taken care of that, has washed away your sin. You are forgiven. Even today, some of you right now, you are being convicted by the Holy Spirit. There might be something in your life that you know that is not what God wants it to be. And maybe all of a sudden there is this sense of, I know, I know what he's talking about. I know what it is. I know I shouldn't do that. I know I shouldn't be involved in this. And there are others of you here right now in this building, watching online, and the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to him. You know, you're not here by accident. You know, you're not here just because you got something in the mail or, you know, you're here because God's drawing you. That is the Holy Spirit. And like, and right now, you, you might not know why. Listen, that's him. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you, convincing you of your need for God. He is here. He's here right now. And some of you have some choices to make. Listen, you can surrender to him. You can surrender to him. Or you can continue to fight him. But listen to me. Don't do that For too long or too often, your heart will grow cold to his gentle, kind voice. But he brought you here today for a reason. 
He's drawing you to himself. God the Father loves you so much that he sent God the Son, Jesus, who lived a sinless life, who died and rose again so that you could know him, so that you could have a relationship with him, so that you could be forgiven and be empowered to live a life of freedom through his Holy Spirit, to live a life that would honor and please and glorify God. Come home. Come home right now. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I know he is here. I know he lives within me. And I know he lives within the believers that are here today and those that are watching this online. But I also know that he is also here drawing people to himself, drawing people to you, convicting us of sin, leading us to the cross. Today, if that's you, open your heart to him. Respond to him right here and right now. Admit what you know to be true and you know it in your heart that you are a sinner in need of a savior and that one has been provided. Pour your heart out to him right now. Ask for forgiveness and you will find it. You'll be made brand new by your faith in the risen Christ. And Father, I pray that here at Coastal, we would live a spirit-filled and spirit-empowered life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.